Blog Talk Radio. not about us, it's about Jesus. Welcome to Whitestone Fellowship Relationship Recovery Radio, where we focus on the recovery of relationships. Jesus summarized and prioritized relationships in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is likened to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Priority one, the first commandment, is to recover or maybe for the first time for the believer to develop a relationship with God. And priority two is to recover the believer's relationship with their neighbor. Good morning, and this is John Wadsworth uh, talking to you live on Blog Talk Radio our ho- and the host of White, uh, Whitestone Relationship Recovery Radio, and I'm talking to you live from my office in Pearl River, Louisiana, <clears throat> excuse me, and this is our Christian Celebrity Testimony Hour, excuse me a second. Mm. And uh, we have as our guest this morning uh, a lovely young lady that uh, I have never met in person, but I've talked to over the phone, and um, and I know that she's a lovely lady by her my conversations that we've had, and uh, also she uh, uh, on her show page at on Blog Talk Radio, she's the host of Case for Thee. KJV. Her name is Shannon Scott David. So if you want to understand why the King James Version is the version, um, you need to listen to her show and uh, call while it's live and you can discuss things with her. Well, uh, you can discuss something with her right now if you'd like uh, after she gives our testimony, after we have our time of testimony. Uh, I'm going to let Shannon explain to her uh, excuse me, explain to us um, her ministry that she's in right now. Um, she is physically located, to the best of my knowledge, in Salt Lake City, Utah, in the, the, home, the, the home of the Mormons. And, um, and I'll let her tell you more about uh, living there and the ministry that she has there. Um, so now what I'd like to do is uh, introduce to you Shannon Scott David and uh, let her, you know, uh, tell her a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about herself. Welcome, Shannon. Hello, John. How are you doing? Doing great. Now that I'm talking to you, doing a lot better. <laughs> good, good. Uh, John, number one thing, uh, well, not number one, but uh, do you have your chat room open? Let's see. Your fellowship room? Yes. I would like oh, to get yes. in there, and uh, I would like to see how to get in there. Do, how do you well, you go to our show there? page. Uh, yeah. Can, and uh, you can't scroll down in the chat? Uh, oh, I must go to another page. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I'll um, go to another page. Well, first of all, maybe I won't. Okay. Then I'll just have to leave it up to you. Okay. Uh, because maybe I can't do two things. I can't do two things at once. One uh, of the reasons, you know, uh, that the computer's in the other room. So you will have to, if you will, please, sir, keep me apprised of what's going on because I'm in an, another room without the dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who likes to get into the to the Bibles and especially into the big pens. All okay. right. Hello out there. Hello you, 
sitting there, you, yes, you, I'm talking to you, not him, not, him, not her, I'm talking to you, okay, I'm not even talking to John, I'm talking to you, and I would like to explain to you why I love Jesus Christ and why I love the King James Bible and why I feel that the King James Bible is the true word of God. Apart from that, I would like to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Now, Christmas time is a time when, is the only time of the year when it seems like you might be open to hearing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that you will hear it this morning. And if you hear it, maybe your heart will be open to it. Maybe you will receive Jesus Christ today. I was fortunate enough to be born into a Christian family back in 1950, and I was born in Dallas, Texas. Big D. Yes, I'm going to affiliate myself right now, and I'm going to tell you that I have been a lifelong fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Please don't hold that against me if you're a New Orleans Saint fan, and I have to tell you the Saints are doing fabulous this year. Okay, but apart from that, we were weaned on the Cowboys and the Baptist Church. And I was raised a Baptist for the first four years of my life. My grandmother was a powerful influence, a very powerful influence in my life in that I was raised in Cliff Temple Baptist Church in Oak Cliff, Dallas, Texas. I can still remember a powerful preacher in Oak Cliff Temple Baptist Church and going to Sunday school and just knowing, live, uh, absolutely learning from the word go that Jesus is Lord and there is nothing else. In other words, I was it, there was never any question in my mind that Jesus, was not king of my life. I was raised to believe that. I can remember standing in my grandmother's first, uh, my grandmother's living room, and the ladies uh, in her Sunday school class. And I was about four years old. Now I, I remember being paraded in to the ladies there in the living room. You know how the ladies would gather for lunch or, or tea, rather. And uh, I, my grandmother brought me in, and I recited all the books of the Bible at four years old. So <laughs> my grandmother was very proud of me. So this is the situation that I came from. And a lot of you didn't come from that situation where you were raised with someone in your life automatically putting you into the family of Christ. Now, my father was a United States naval air pilot. My father was a lieutenant in the United States Navy. As such, he got transferred shortly after I was about four years old, and we moved, we were stationed in the Philippine Islands. My father was not a person who was raised with any type of religion. My mother came from this extensive Baptist background, but my father was left dumped by his father uh, with his brother on the streets of Dallas, Texas, in about 1932, his father just left him and his brother 
on the streets of Dallas when my father was about 12 years old and left to take care of his younger brother at the age of seven and left to fend for themselves. So my father rose from that situation and went into Golden Gloves boxing and won the national title for United States Golden Gloves, welterweight champion in, in 43, and then was chosen for the Olympics. And, of course, they did not go to the Olympics due to the war. But he is a was a man who had a constant problem and became worse during the years with alcohol. Uh, alcoholism and the Navy seem to kind of go together. Now, on you have that on one hand, but my father was always a godly man, and he was trying to fight this fight, this <laughs> fight, yes, fight his alcoholism, and he did so with the 12-step program. My father was a wonderful father and eventually obtained 25 years of sobriety and was sober all the years of my growing up and was a wonderful father. Now, on the other hand, my mother decided that when we came back from the Philippines, I was about five years old, oh, no, yeah, I was about almost six years old. We were stationed then in Corpus Christi, Texas. That is 150 miles north of the Mexican border, and that is where I was raised, in Corpus Christi, Texas. Our population there is about 65% uh, Hispanic or Chicano and 35% Caucasian, which, which I have a deep love for the Hispanic people. Now, I was uh, raised Presbyterian there because for some reason my mother was tired of the Baptist church. My father took us on the days when my mother couldn't. My father always drove us to and from Sunday school and was as reliable as the day is, the day as that sun comes up was reliable and because he was sober uh, or clean or, well, I don't know what you want to say. I guess you want to say sober because he did not have the Lord Jesus Christ in his heart. He, he was just sober. Um, we were, went to Presbyterian Church. I did not understand the Presbyterian Church, having come from that Baptist uh, early upbringing if you know anything about the Presbyterian Church, it's a very intellectual church. Um, I was, but I was raised that way. I was confirmed Presbyterian, and to this day, I still don't agree with uh, their principles there. I can still recall being confirmed on my day of confirmation and repeating I, the Apostles' Creed, which. Uh, says I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, and I can't believe I even said that. Nevertheless, I was expected to do and perform in certain ways as to make my parents proud. I was expected to excel. My grandmother was a person who was very much loved me, who I could count on her love. She was president of the National PTA and a diplomat under the Nixon administration. And my father being a national champion and my mother was a semi-famous singer. So I was expected to excel. And I did. I won everything in high school you could win and went to college where I promptly got drunk when let out of my parents' sight. Now, 
I still have the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart, and I always will. When I got into some trouble, not law trouble, not legal trouble, but some pregnancy trouble in college, I was immediately hid away into an unwed mother's home, and a nice story was spun that I was in South America, and I went through that, and I began to get a little bit closer to the Lord. Of course, I was sober at the time, and I never let go of the Lord. I became a bit closer to him at that time. So the drinking was a little bit over then and continued to be over. I went into my first marriage, married my college sweetheart, and got a little bit tired of that because I was feeling roped in with because I was working three jobs. I quit my education to work three jobs to put him through school. So after I put him through school, I said adios. And then I got back out in the fast lane again and picked up the drink again. I never did lose sight of Jesus Christ, however. Now, I was one of these people who tailor-made the Bible for myself. Don't we do that? You know, I... Now, looking back on this, I even ask people, and I ask it of myself these days, too, do I tailor-make the Bible for myself? And what I mean is this. Do I take verses in the Bible and say, oh, I believe that, but I don't believe that. That can't apply to me. Let me give you an example. When I was in my later 20s, I, after my first marriage, I got involved with, for about, well, I had been involved since I was about, oh, out of, out of college. I picked up uh, on esoteric philosophy, otherwise known as the occult. And I began delving into astrology, numerology, and tarot. I knew to stay away from black arts or black occult. I knew better than that because I knew Jesus Christ was not going to be there. But I went ahead and studied astrology and numerology, colors, tarot. I was teaching it, I was making a living doing it, doing charts, reading Tarot, doing numerology, and I read in the Bible the places where it said that astrologers would not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I said, oh, well, you know, that doesn't mean me. Can you believe that? That doesn't mean me. I was tailor-making my own Bible, see? I believed everything. Oh, no, that can't apply to me. <laughs> what a joke. Okay, so now I, I ask myself and I ask other people, well, you, it's like this. You either believe the whole Bible or you don't believe the whole Bible. So you cannot pick and choose. I cannot pick and choose. Let me put it that way. I cannot pick and choose which verses I believe and which verses I don't believe. I have to take the whole ball of wax, the whole entire Bible, or I have to deny the whole Bible. And I choose to accept the entire Bible, the entire King James Bible, as it was handed down from God to the apostles in Antioch, and they, in turn, handed it down to their apostles, and so on and so forth. And it became the 1611 
authorized King James Version. Now, once I got involved with a church after I married my second husband and stayed married for 20 years and basically stayed sober, for most of that time, using a 12-step program. And then I started using a church program and getting a little bit closer to Jesus. I was attending a church regularly. I raised both of my children. It was a like an evangelical, uh, almost, it was a covenant church. So it wasn't a Baptist church because there, I didn't, Go, it was the big mega church on the hill in in California, in Los Angeles County. We were upper middle class. We were we had raised uh, nine companies uh, and were doing quite well. So I raised. I had always said a parent's job is to raise the children in the faith first. Education. Uh, your ABCs, your English, your math, that comes second. A parent's job is to raise the children in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is their first obligation. And I say that now, too. Well, I stayed in this church for 20 years, and one uh, about mm, six years into the church, the preacher held up the Bible one morning and said, this is our new Bible. It's called the NIV. Everybody go get one. And I'll go, what? Okay, so everybody went and got one. This was back in the 80s. So everybody went and got one. NIV. I didn't know the difference. I hadn't read the, the King James Bible through. And so I, for the next 13 years, I read the NIV, you know, just verse by verse, week by week. And I was kind of a weekly Christian, weekly, W-E-A-K-L-Y and W-E-E-K-L-Y, Christian. Uh, I also got hooked on cocaine <laughs> during the week. But on Sunday, I was a Christian. Okay, but sometimes Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, Especially Friday and Saturday, I got hooked on cocaine for two years. Now, back in 88, this is back 86 to 88. Back in 88, on Father's Day, on in 1988, Father's Day, sometime in June, June 10th, whenever it is, I said, that's it. That is it. I give this up. For my father, I give this up for my father. I give this up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I know this is wrong to do. I laid that cocaine down, and I laid down. And I laid in that bed for two weeks before I got up again. That's how bad it was. And I was very happy to get up. So I got up, and about two weeks later, I was popping pills. So I popped pills for another year, and then I got rid of the pills about two years later. I did the same thing with them. And another couple of three years, four years passed by, and then I pick up the bottle again. By this time, I'm into the bottle, and I'm, I know I shouldn't be. I know the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I just kind of have to shut my eyes when I'm drinking, you know, because I'm like trying to hide in the closet. I can find nowhere to hide because I know that God is watching me. I'm in such shame, but I'm addicted to this. I'm in such shame. Now I have to do something. But all I know to do is drink, because now by now, I'm drinking straight out of the bottle. There is no glass. There is no ice. This is, this is just buying a pint or a half gallon of vodka and drinking it straight out of the bottle. Um, now I'm wondering, I'm going, I have some problems with my husband, and I'm saying... I'm also having mental problems by this time. 
and physical problems because I'd already broken my shoulder and broken ribs. And just like Psalm 51 says, a broken and contrite spirit also, and Pastor Wadsworth explained to me that that also means a broken and contrite mind, a mental, mental breakdown, and I had one. Uh, if you if you think jumping through the the neighbor's front window at about 2 a.m. thinking somebody's chasing you down the street is uh, evidence of a of a mental <laughs> well I did but at any rate um, I went through hospital programs and I went through numerous 12 uh, step programs knowing that I was going to drink again, you know, I was probably going to get out and drink again, that this was not going to be the way. Yes, I'd play the game, and yes, I'd try. Yes, I would really try. I'd really try, but something in my mind said, "Uh, this isn't going to do it. And then when I left my husband, I just finally said, look, what, what we're doing here, what you're doing to me is not good, and I'm leaving. You take care of the kids. You take care of the dogs, you take the house, you take the companies. You're driving me insane even more, and I won't go into that. But I left because I had to save myself before I could save anybody else, before I could help anybody else. I was literally being driven insane by myself and by someone else. I was literally being driven insane to death. So I picked up that good old, my last name, my maiden name is Gunter, and my father was Cotton Gunter, and I picked up myself by my bootstraps, and I left my half-million-dollar house, my companies. My two children, I left them at the house under the care of their father. The cars, the the upper middle class style, my clothes, and I walked out. And in about two weeks, I find myself homeless. And that is where I hit really the bottom when I have to go to welfare and asked for welfare, and I ended up in a welfare hotel or a parole, and it was also a parolee hotel, and I met this generous man that I live with now for the last 10 years, who is an ordained minister. He's 10 years older. I'm sorry, 20 years older than I. It has always been a platonic relationship. I'm sure you know what that means platonic, friendly, and he uh, helped me because I was having seizures, I was getting robbed, we lived in gangland, L.A., which is southeast L.A., east L.A., Wilmington, uh, Watts, San Pedro, if any of you are familiar with L.A., and um, I was having well, somebody needed to take care of me. I was being chased by people with guns, and I'm fairly attractive, and I was just uh, waiting for something to happen to me. And this man protected me, six foot two and three hundred pounds. So this man was a sent from a messenger from God, and one day, uh, as I was having. Uh, another drink and I walked across the street and got almost run over and killed for the second day in a row and brought home by the police I said I can't take this anymore I had more broken ribs and more broken shoulder and black eye and everything I said I just can't take this anymore so he prayed as I said he's an ordained minister and a man of God and he prayed over me and with me because I was crying and I was a truly broken and contrite and I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life
The Holy Spirit fills me as I speak. And he lifted that horrible, horrible burden of addiction from drugs, from pills, from alcohol. He lifted it immediately from me. And I laid it at the cross. And the Lord Jesus Christ took it. And I realized what it meant for him to die, the Lord Jesus Christ to die for my sin. And he took it, and that was six, seven years ago. I have not wanted anything, of course, because the Lord said to me, Now, Shannon, if you want it, you go and pick it up again, because I've taken it. Something to that effect. But I testify unto you. I testify to you. I tell you what. The Lord Jesus Christ took that from me. And he can take it from you. And that's my testimony. And I have one scripture which always I come back to. And that is Romans 8, 1. And it says, King James Version because that's the only thing I believe in now. The King James Version, the true word of God. I believe that look, I believe that God does not make mistakes. God is perfect. God does not stutter. God does not need man to make corrections to his word. How 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 just how audacious are we to think that we men can correct God's word? I mean, really. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, there is therefore now no condemnation to those, to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. That tells me everything is okay. Everything is forgiven. There is therefore now no condemnation. God doesn't hold a thing up against me as it, as Pastor Wadsworth, I'm sure, will say on Psalm 51, and I praise God for bringing Pastor John Wadsworth into my life, and Whitestone Ministries into my life, and showing me just two weeks ago, I had never looked, I had read Psalm 51, but it just went right over my head, and I am, I am in love with, I really love Psalm 51 now. And the only thing I can say in a short five words is lay it at the cross. And that's about what I have, Pastor Wadsworth. <laughs> Praise Amen, the Lord. Sounds like you got enough. What you got is enough. Um, let me ask you, um, anybody listening in, if you'd like to uh, ask uh Shannon, a question or make a comment, uh, please press one on your uh, touchpad on your phone. And um, if there's anybody in the chat, we had folks in the chat, they've come and gone and they might come back again. Um, uh, six, seven years ago, you surrendered to Christ, right? Yes. Yes. What, what, uh, you were in Los Angeles or you were in. Mm-hmm. That Los is Angeles. correct. That is, no, that's in, that's correct. I was in LA. Okay. Was and were you? Uh, and was so you were tired of drinking. I'm sorry. What was that? I was in a motel in Torrance. Okay. Okay. And um, okay, and that's um, that's when you uh, 
um, use on your latest binge or whatever, and then you, what happened? That's right. I was going out to get another drink in the morning, and I was still so wobbly. I was crossing the street, you know, how alcoholics are. You know, you've got to have a drink in the morning, right? Yeah. Well, I was to the point to where I had to have a drink in the morning, but I had to throw it up first because I already was into cirrhosis. Yeah. So I had to have a drink. I knew I'd have to throw it up first, and then I could drink. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. How, yeah. how bad well, I was? Yeah. I the, the, what I'm trying to get is... is uh, what did you say or what did you do for Christ, the Holy Spirit, to take your life over? Okay. Brother Phil, I, I laid on the, I, I, well, I laid on the bed because I was so broken up uh, physically with, the, with the, um, another break in my shoulder, my ribs, black eye. The police had just brought me home because I fell down in the middle of, Pacific Coast Highway. I couldn't make it across the street to the liquor store. Okay? I yep. had to go across the street to the liquor store. I was still so wobbly, I couldn't even make it across the street. Okay. The police, who already, I was like a red flag, they had already, they had already you know, oh, this lady's drunk again, so let's not arrest her. Let's just take her back to the motel dump her at the motel and tell the guy, you better keep this lady home or we're going to arrest her. So they brought me back and I laid on the bed and he and I said, this has got to stop. You know, this has just got to stop. Will you help me pray? And he helped me pray and he said, uh, he, we both prayed and he said, uh, he uh, he asked for he asked he prayed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Phil uh, has a uh, gift for healing. He prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ for the demons to come out of me, and I prayed for the demons to come out of me for the Lord Jesus Christ to fill me with the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, and I was immediately uh, healed with my spirit. Amen. Uh, where's Phil today? In the next room. Okay, the same fellow. Okay, same guy. Okay, well, praise the Lord. Year, ten years, right, and we've just been friends. Mm -hmm. Now, when do you believe uh, that you became a child of God, when you, when you were a believer, when you first believed? How old were you? About... When I was uh, when I was uh, about two years old. Okay. okay. When I was first, yeah. whenever I was old enough to recognize that the Sunday school, when I was old enough to realize that Jesus, that my grandmother was telling me that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and I believed my grandmother, and that's when I became a believer or a child of God. I've always been that way. Jesus has always yep. been Lord. Um, yeah, I uh, I led my grandson to the Lord when he was three. Um, I uh, also led my son to the Lord when he was five. My daughter to the Lord when she was five. Um, right. And and so yeah, that's to me. You know, yeah, two years old is fine. Might have been now, when I was three years old. Who knows? Yeah. Right, but you you were a young age, yeah. and you you knew that the Lord was with you. Um, yes. and you also knew that you were rejecting uh, His leadership. Exactly. Okay. I knew it. I knew wrong from right. Um, now, the you said something about. Let me ask you this: You were in astrology. You were a believer. You were practicing astrology. What would you tell? What would you tell a uh, a Christian today 
today a Christian is practicing astrology or messing around numerology and all this other, um, uh, let's say, other spiritual uh, activities other than uh, a, a faith in Christ uh, and the Holy Spirit letting them lead. What would you tell them? Well, I'd tell them to listen to Case for the KJV, uh, for one thing, because I feel that I'm going to have to do a program on that, because I I have 20 years' experience, about 15 to 20 years' experience in this. I threw away, okay, having so much experience in teaching, and I worked at a, uh, I didn't tell you, I worked at, a, at an esoteric bookstore. And I spent all my money that I made at the bookstore on books. And this can be a very expensive uh, deal. So I had a tremendous collection of books. So when I decided to, to stop it, I threw all my books, about $2,000, which back in 1980-something was a lot of money, I threw them all in the trash can, every one of them, every sign, every paper that I'd ever done, any, any anything, any charts I'd made, anything, any books, I threw them all in the trash can, okay? And I would say that I'm going to have to do a program on it uh, because it needs to be addressed. I am shocked. I am absolutely, I'm not shocked. Okay, because it takes a lot to shock me because I've been around a few corners more than I care to admit. But I would, uh, I'd have to tell them, uh, okay, you want to hear the truth? Uh, you are, if you're doing, if you are playing with the occult, You either, you know what you're doing, and you know what bad is going to happen to you, and you enjoy that bad side, the dark side, and we don't want you around us, get away, or... You don't know what you're doing, and you'd better stop it right away because evil forces are out there, and they will prey on you, and you will regret it very much when some dead person shows up. In your house. That's what I have to say. Amen. Well, that's well said. <laughs> um, I was. Uh, uh, and that is look, true. Amen. Um, in Acts chapter uh, 19 and verse uh, 14, there were seven sons, one of one Sceva, a Jew, and the chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? Now this guy, guy was uh, putting himself up as a, uh, a spiritualist, uh, but uh, the Holy Spirit inside of... Uh, no, no, an evil spirit didn't know this guy. But anyhow, in Acts chapter 19, verse 17, and this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts, curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and, it, and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mighty grew the word of God and prevailed. Uh, so we, we see in the scriptures that people that were persuaded like you um, and what yes. they did, and it's, the same, and it's the same thing you did, and the word of God grew mightily because it was not being diluted and sharing 
uh, time or position as the most important thing in a person's life. And so, right. yeah, it, it, it needs to go. It needs to be a house cleaning. Exactly. exactly. And if I would have had the, um, the permits to burn my books, I would have set fire to them. You know, I mean, so what, 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 what is yeah. your ministry now, uh, Shannon? Okay, my ministry now is, is to try and, well, not try. My ministry is to lead people to Jesus Christ because I am an evangelist and through the King James Version of the Bible. I want to point out to people and give them a choice, just as God has given them a choice whether to accept or reject Jesus Christ. I'm giving them a choice, an informative choice, whether to accept or reject the true word of God. In our program, Case for the KJV, one of the things we do is we will take a verse of Scripture and we will compare that verse of Scripture. For instance, we will take a verse of Scripture from the KJV and then delineate it through the corrupted versions of the NIV, the NKJV, the, uh, oh gosh, the Good News Bible, the... uh, about 16 different Bibles, if uh, that's what we do. And we show how the Word of God has been corrupted. You know, in Jeremiah 23, 36, we read, let's see, Jeremiah, Ye have perverted the words of the living God. Now, if you want, if you want me to get on that, boy, if you want me to get on the case for the KJV, that is the program to listen to. Uh, okay. When is your program? Our program runs on Tuesdays and Thursdays at two, two p.m. Mountain Time right now, and we're probably going to be at two thirty uh, at the first of the new year at two thirty p.m. Mountain Time after the first of the new year. So you can check our show page. That's Case for the T-H-E-E-K-J-V. Well, let me ask you, Shannon, uh, your degree, you have a, uh, a, a, a degree in English, right? No, I went to college seven years and got nine jobs, nine companies. Oh, <laughs> no, okay. I, went to, okay. I went to college for seven years and ended up inventing inventing companies and and make take making uh, turnkey operations in other words we're self-employed uh, i most of, i I'm, i have a what i'm at is at the begin at last of my senior year but uh seeing how we're self-employed we were self-employed i uh ha- had an ex-husband who wanted uh, when he thought of an idea he wanted it brought into 3D formation, which taking an idea and then making it a turnkey operation is what my job was. Okay, so what did you major in college? I was a was radio and television, uh, English, English major, radio and television, broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I have a background in television, radio, cable. I have a, um, I'm in the Screen Actors Guild. I am in the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. I have performed in about 35 movies. I've done extensive modeling and voiceover, radio voiceover work. I am also skilled, um, well, I have a lot of degrees in the carpet dyeing industry. I'm a certified senior carpet inspector because this was our big business is carpet dyeing. So I'm a dye master, 
uh, a master dyer, a certified carpet cleaner. I have uh, lots of degrees. Um, okay. Did, you're majoring in English. Did it yeah. uh, persuade you or help you come to the conclusion yeah. about the King James Version? Yes, yes, yes. And yes. why? Well, because paying, in English you study several things. You study literature. You study the formation of syntax, which we talked about. The study of syntax is a study of formation of sentences in one language. And you study punctuation. You study grammar. You study use of words. Now, it is very important when you come to punctuation, you can, you can by the use of, say, one comma, if you place a comma in one uh, say after one word, instead of after another word, you can completely change the meaning of a sentence, which is what has happened in several of the corrupted versions. They have moved the punctuation marks to change the entire meaning of the word, to change the meaning of the verse. Uh, you can... So the importance of English of an English background is to know the meaning of the words they're speaking and the meaning of the words that that they are replacing the words with and also the punctuation. Let me go grab a uh, parallel. Let me go grab a parallel here dictionary i mean i've got i've got uh matthew five eighteen. jesus okay. says for verily i say unto you till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled a jot is to set down to make a memorandum of a tittle is um a small particle a minute right. part an iota. So um, every exactly the right. punctuation is important. The punctuation right. in a sentence is important. Um, the words in the in the uh, sentence are important. The position of the words uh, means something, and uh, everything that God says um, is we're not to add to or take away from, as it says in Proverbs. That's right. And, now, uh, would you repeat that uh, verse? Because I'm looking it up in my parallel. What is that? Matthew 5.18. Matthew 5.18. And you have an excellent point. And this is probably, people are going, oh, my gosh, one jot or tittle. That is so important because God is perfect. And guess what? God knows punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew 5.18. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, uh, Psalm 12, 6 and 7, Proverbs 30. Um, also, Let's deal with there's other verses. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do a deal with the jot and tittle, okay? Jot and tittle, okay. Now, Shannon, uh, just yes. to let you know, has helped, our, uh, helped us out in our grammar for our website. Yeah. In our... Our slogan, it's not about us, it's about Jesus, and I appreciate it. I re Listen, I, I'm not insulted, I'm not uh, uh, anything. You know, I appreciate, appreciate being uh, known, uh, you know, I want, to, I want it to be done right, and, and I think our educational system has dumbed down people for generations uh, so that we could dumb up some other people and they could be accepted, at the cost of us being properly educated, and and um, and so here we are wandering around uh, by every wind in, uh, of doctrine, and and that's why I believe the Christian community is so confused and so weak today. Is that they have curious arts that they're reading, and they're not reading the Word of God. They don't. They they are they're on uh, this this uh, spiritual wickedness. In, instead of the spirit for truth. Okay, so, right. so what are we going to say? What are we going to say? Gonna say? I'm going to say I'm going to give you an example. Okay, King James Version. 
Matthew 5:18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. New International Version. 18. Okay. Okay. I tell you, okay, here's what they here's what it is in the New International Version. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. New American Standard. You have it on two pages. New American Standard. For truly I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. New American Bible. Amen. I say and I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Now you can see immediately how they've changed the word. Can you see that? Yeah, yeah, I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah. yeah. And this is what so, we're dealing oh, with every day. We're dealing with every day. Um, I'm trying to find Now the king Go ahead. Okay. Um Always, we got a couple of minutes, two or three minutes. Um, I, w- I want to say this: that um, Shannon, uh, we are we are in fellowship as radio programs, and we're um, let's say in the same camp, and so we're in this ministry together. Now, I listened to Shannon last Tuesday. She was uh, doing an ex- exposition on Psalm 51, and it was really good. And uh, hopefully, she'll you know continue that. Uh, exposition that she was doing on Psalm 51, um, and uh, I look forward to um, uh, us working together through the radio program, developing our programs, uh, so that we can uh, minister to a lot of people. I think this venue, this uh, is awesome, and uh, I'm glad that Shannon's been with us this morning. We're running out of time, that's why I'm kind of I'm saying what I'm saying, and. Um, and hopefully we can get back together. If you have any questions or comments about the uh, what's been said or about the King James, uh, there's many things left that we could say, um, but we'll just leave it like that. And uh, I, I just give you an example of, on how she corrected. Uh, it's not about us; it's about Jesus. And she's uh, the punctuation uh, was wrong. Uh, well, the punctuation was, and the, the capitalization was wrong. And just the, that little bit makes a big difference um, in the, the, the really the total emphasis of of those two sentences. As she, she let me know, they have two sentences. So um, thank you it, it so much for I'm, having me on. I know you have to close. Thank you so much, listeners. Thank you out there. You know I've been talking to you. Praise God. Merry Christmas. Shannon. Yes. What is your phone number for your your talk radio show? Nine one four three three eight zero zero six seven. Amen. And thank you, sister. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. Commercial Kitchen Services is a proud supporter of Whitestone Ministries. Commercial Kitchen Services. We repair commercial cooking equipment, refrigeration, ice machines, steamers, all appliances, gas, and electric, serving southeast Louisiana and southern Mississippi. For all your cooking equipment repair needs, please contact Jeff Fuller at 601 569 9767 in Louisiana 985 718 4482
Hello, Mr. Fernandez. Fernandez. Hello. Hello. Ron. Ron. 